morning. This is Mike. Welcome back to Driving Theology. Oops, got the music on. Turn it off. Last week, sorry about the, uh, uh, had a little bit of, uh, car air blowing into right into the microphone, so there was a little bit of a white noise problem last week, and in my car, it really comes out in the bass. I don't know how it comes out in your headphones or whatever. It sounds really bassy. It's more like a woofing sound. Uh, anyway, yeah, what's going on with you guys? Uh, <clears throat> as you can see, I'm still dealing with some kind of congestion thing. So, yeah, sorry about the, there might be a little sniffling and whatever on the mic because uh, there's sniffling in the mic get it my name's Mike and you know I just that's a joke right there <laughs> uh, anyway yeah uh, <clears throat> some things have gone on this week I want to say a uh, very special uh, thank you to Eugene Eugene Peterson for a life uh, lived in uh, modeling what what a good relationship with Jesus is. A life lived in service of others uh, and in pursuit of Jesus. And uh, he passed away a few days ago. Uh, I know that you will rest in peace. Uh, I believe Dr. Eugene Peterson. Uh, Thank you for the message. The message is a, is a resource that I haven't used as much as I'd like to yet. Uh, I had some initial kind of problems with the, the, the his style of writing. Uh, kind of rubbed me wrong, and that part of that's my, uh, I think, uh, the way I was brought up. The, the uh, versions of the Bible that I've used. Um, but after seeing Bono's video... Uh, and his conversation with Eugene Peterson on the Psalms, uh, I got a new perspective on who this Eugene Peterson is. Uh, and that actually changed the way I thought about his writing. <laughs> That's kind of interesting, right? So I got a, a peek into the person of Eugene Peterson, and that changed the way I looked at the way that he... Uh, translated, if you will, or paraphrased uh, the Bible. Be that as it may, I saw value in the idea of the message, and I gave um, <clears throat> I gave it as gifts down through the years. Of course, I have a copy myself. Um, I'll probably find me a new copy of it um, because I, I see I see that I will probably find more and more value for it as I go along. paraphrase of the Bible. Um, and yeah, I really need to, I, I, I have not read any of his other books besides, you know, certain parts of the message. Uh, and I really would like to do that. Uh, so yeah, uh, give Jesus a high five for me, Eugene. Uh, enjoy uh, thoroughly this next part of your existence. 
uh, and we look forward to uh, maybe seeing you there and maybe seeing you back here again uh, when everything is is uh, when, the, when the will of Jesus is made manifest on the earth let's say that uh, that sounds very poetic <laughs> uh, so yeah um, I, he will be sorely missed um, and he was definitely a person to emulate uh, in many ways uh, or to imitate as he imitated Christ <clears throat> uh, so yeah that's a that's a, a bittersweet thing that happened this week <clears throat> uh, because I have a lot of uh, uh, people who are interested in theology on my Facebook page there were a lot of condolence um, posts on there and maybe it would be good to do a, a, a Eugene Peterson-themed uh, podcast. I, I would have to kind of get ready for that. Um, it'd be interesting to to see if we could uh, frame his life in such a way that would bring bring meaning to ours uh, and shed light on what Jesus is doing in the world. Shed more light. Um, yeah, maybe we'll see that in the future. Um, <clears throat> as we have been going over this idea of the what I've been calling the universal Christ I have found out that I really should be calling it the cosmic Christ <laughs> but really uh, universal and cosmic are, are synonymous uh, and actually you know if you <clears throat> if you keep going another word for universal is Catholic or uh, Catholicum from the Latin. Uh, that's another word for universal. But anyway, this idea of the cosmic Christ that Richard Rohr has been espousing has been kind of the direction we've been going. Uh, and I think I'm going to take a little bit of a break from that today, uh, except to say that I, at this point, I'm pretty invested in, in learning more about that and those ideas, but I'm not there yet. Um, a fascinating idea, uh, and I have uh, heard Richard Rohr talk about uh, some of the concepts of that, and, and I'm I am interested in learning more about that. But uh, today, I want to talk about a, a, a conversation that I had on Facebook with a couple of my friends yesterday. Uh, and one of my friends, he, uh, we've never been close friends. We were in the same class at high school. He was, he was the. Uh, <clears throat> class president at one point who's a very popular outgoing guy uh, I think we may have been on the tennis club for a month at one point and you know of course we were in classes here and there together um, uh, but he, he posted something on Facebook and I, I'm, I'm going to botch it up pretty bad here because it, I, can't, I didn't memorize it but basically it says he, he, and it's in all caps right so he's obviously being frustrated. And he's a pretty level-headed guy. He's not somebody who just lashes out. I've never seen this kind of thing happen to him on Facebook. But he puts on caps, in all caps, and he says, You can't be a Christian. Oh, something's vibrating. I'm bad here. Let's see if we can stop that. Uh, you can't be a Christian and 
basically be racist. Okay, uh, you can't be a Christian, uh, and I can't remember everything he said. He said like three or four things. You can't be a Christian and hate, basically, is what he's saying. You can't be a Christian and hate people for being a different race. You can't be a Christian and hate people uh, for <clears throat> uh, living differently than you. You can't be a Christian and hate gay people. Uh, and, and of course, this is a sentiment that, that I agree with. I really agree with it. Like, that is a problem, right? Christians hating and publicly hating, uh, well... I guess if they're going to be hating, I'd rather be public than private, but, um, or, or secret, I guess, but better word. Uh, Christians publicly hating is a problem because it doesn't reflect our Christ by which we get the name Christian. Uh, and so, <clears throat> I, I, I completely get this, right, this frustration uh, and this uh, conclusion, if you will, that Christians who are doing these things are not being true Christians. Uh, and I, I agree, like I agree to a point. And then another friend of mine, uh, also from high school, but this guy was one of my best friends in high school. Uh, he, he comes on and halfway agrees with what uh, my other friend said. But he, he says, but we can't make the mistake of saying, basically, I love you the way you are, but also making the mistake of saying you're okay the way you are, right? Um, okay, so he's saying, basically... Yeah, it's, it's good to love everybody, but it doesn't mean you can't hold them to account. In other words, you can't, uh, you can't point out the things that, you can't not, excuse me, you can't not point out the things and the ways that they need to change in order to be better Christians. <clears throat> and that's a pretty normal thing to say, right? Like, like if... If, if uh, a murderer in prison uh, suddenly comes to Christ and comes to believing in Jesus uh, and makes a profession of faith and does, you know, whatever else, whatever else, other hoops uh, religious people make them jump through and then thinks it's okay to murder even after becoming a Christian, well, that's a problem, right? <clears throat> that that can't happen. Yes, you, you are now a Christian, but you should stop killing, you know, you should stop stealing or stop being dishonest or, or stop lying or, or whatever it is that you do. You should stop that uh, once you become a Christian, right? Now, on the outside, this looks completely reasonable. And I'll admit that this is exactly how I thought for probably... Uh, 40 some odd years about my own shortcomings. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be doing that. I need to do better, do better, uh, behave better, control myself better, right? Uh, but my problem with this nuance is that I believe that this nuance is what has caused this system of 
of conditional forgiveness, which leads to shame, shaming and blaming, depression, uh, and and ultimately, I think, an immobile faith. <clears throat> uh, so I wanted to just put, maybe try to think through that as, as I'm on my way here today. Uh, thinking through what it means to be um, okay the way you are. Does Jesus accept people where they are? Right? So, a few things that we went through, which I think normally people would go through, right? Trying to, trying to um, rectify this saying you are okay the way you are with Scripture. Um, which, if you know, you follow me, you know that already. I think that's a problem. Like, if if we're trying to use scripture as the measure as opposed to the person of Jesus, then I think we're we're only going to do a half half job anyway. Be that as it may, uh, some of the scriptures that were brought up were <clears throat> um, so okay. So my a- after my friend said this, you know, like, like we, we need to be careful not to tell people that they're okay the way they are uh, because because and, and he said something that I agree with he says because nobody truly meets Jesus and is left unchanged right nobody truly meets Jesus and is left unchanged everybody changes it truly meets Jesus right I, I agree with that statement the thing is Again, right there, you're talking about something that Jesus does. Jesus changes us. Jesus transforms us. Right? That's His job. Uh, the Spirit's job is to convict us of sin. I've heard that before. But without the power of the Holy Spirit in us, or the Spirit of Christ, if you will, we cannot and will not have any success defeating sin in our lives, right? Throwing off the yoke of sin that oppresses us day by day. We need help with that. We can't do that ourselves. Uh, and so that, you know, that begs the question, if, if I both believe that Jesus will change me and believe that I'm not okay the way I am, Consequently, believing that I can't change myself, then you've got this waiting game going on with Jesus. When are you going to change me? When are you going to change me? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm ready. You know, change me now. I don't feel like I've changed yet, Jesus. Um, you have this system where you start doubting the timing. Right? Jesus is timing. Right? You, you, it, man, it's just like me right now. I'm, okay, so our autumn festival is coming up, which is a big costume, kind of a Halloween thing that we do every year with my English school. And I've got stuff in the mail that I've ordered that really needs to get here in the next couple days uh, so that I can be ready to have it for my festival. And man, every day, several times a day, if I'm in the house, I'm checking the mailbox, right? just waiting and just impatient because it needs to happen within a certain amount of time or it becomes useless to me, right? There's 
if it doesn't happen when I think it needs to happen, then it 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 damages me, right? There's 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 a, a price to be paid for that tardiness of action that I expect and anticipate, right? And I think part of that is exacerbated by the fact that you believe you're not okay the way you are. And so what you do is you start second-guessing second Jesus. And you start you know, rolling up your sleeves and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and by your own effort, trying to alleviate yourself of, of this burden of sin, right? And that works in the short term, right? We can have some success there. We've all had some, probably, success there if we have any uh, you know, any experience at all or any feeling at all of shame by the way we've acted or, or continue to act. Um, <clears throat> however, if I come along and says, Jesus, Jesus loves you the way you are. You are okay the way you are because Jesus has gone to the cross. He has won the victory for you. He has defeated sin and death and therefore sin nor death nor Satan nor any powers in the other realm have any real control or power over your life. I've done it all. I've taken care of it. You are secure. You are my child. I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You have come into me, right? You, you have entered into my rest. You're okay the way you are. Now see, what I believe, what I believe is that realization, when that hits you, Jesus' grace is such that it depends nothing on you. You know, and it may even contain a little bit of, I understand how hard it is. The cards are stacked against you. You have no chance in defeating sin and death in your life, and it's not your fault. It's not your fault. There are things going on in the spiritual realms that are conspiring and have conspired against mankind to drag them and to burden them down with this sin and shame for millennia. Jesus understands this. It's not our fault that we were born into this. not. This is why you are okay the way you are. Let me say it again. You and I and everyone else, Jesus accepts the way you are right now. And I now believe that as long as you choose to stay as, as rephrase that. This is kind of sticky. Alright? This is kind of hard. I also now believe 
that as long as you choose Jesus in this life or the next, my current belief is that he will take you into his rest now and in the age to come. I, I believe that right now. Uh, and I believe that simply for the fact that we are weak beings born into a system that has corrupted this earth for thousands and thousands of years. Jesus came a few thousand years ago. Well, maybe millions of years. I, I don't know. I don't pretend to know. Jesus came a couple thousand, thousand years ago to reverse that process. And since that time, the kingdom of God has been marching across this world, restoring people back to Jesus through love. <clears throat> not through violence. Not through coercion. Not through guilt. The true kingdom has one weapon. And that's Jesus himself. And Jesus is love. Jesus is reconciling you and the entire earth back to himself. He's done it and he is doing it. And we have to learn to exist in that uncomfortable limbo. The fact that he's done it and he is doing it all at the same time. But I think think the message that Jesus accepts you as you are today and he will take you into his rest as you are today I think is an important one. It's very important. Otherwise we're going to get drugged back into this I'm not good enough why can't I just do better listen to the lie that you're not okay the way you are. Now there's a flip side of this and the flip side is wonderful. But I want you to realize it's it's out of your hands. Right? When you meet Jesus and you see him as he really is, as pure, unadulterated, uncorrupted love, unconditional love, you see him as he truly is, you will be changed, okay? And it will start at some point and it will continue probably forever. It's not a process necessarily that you, necessarily that you will notice moment to moment, day to day, or maybe even year to year. But continually looking upon the beautiful person of Christ will change you no matter what you do if you see him in his beauty and that beauty being the unconditional love in which he bathes you you will be changed but the timing of that and the degree is not up to you it's it's 
It's only going to be up to you to stop it. But if you want it to happen, then you, you just need to continually bask in the, in the glory of Christ. Just, you know, stay at, at Christ's feet. The change is not up to you. <clears throat> and yet it's promised. But as long as you know that no matter how quickly you're changing, no matter how you're doing on, on this thing or that thing, you know, things that you've struggled with maybe recently or all of your life, no matter how you do on those things, Jesus loves you completely. His grace does not increase or dis decrease depending on, on what you do. This lie is so sneaky. It has, it has infiltrated nearly every denomination and level of religion, not to mention, quote-unquote, Christianity and denominations. But until you realize that Jesus accepts everyone the way they are, then you will, you will not accept people they are right and if you do happen to come to the point where you start accepting people the way you are that's Christ in you you see the change happening right if if there was a time when you were you were had racist tendencies and thoughts and, and I think everybody has those but suddenly you know you notice that that some of that's gone, that you're able to interact with people of other races and other beliefs uh, in ways that you previously thought would be difficult or impossible. That's Christ in you. That's transformation happening. Right? And by the same token, and, and Paul says both of these, by the same token, if you if you are still struggling with this or that sin that you you know you you shouldn't do, you know is not uh, in. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, it's not congruent, or uh, it doesn't represent Christ well. Let's say that. If you still struggle with things like that, then and yet you know you don't want to be doing that. Like you, you have a, you have a, a, man, I wish I wasn't doing that, a bit of a guilt reaction, right? Well, it's not you who does it then, it's sin in you. Paul talks about this, right? Sin in you uh, is something that we really haven't talked about much. <clears throat> and it's a complicated issue, but I, but I think it's made more complex um, unnecessarily so by thinking that you're not okay the way you are the Christ yes he, he'll he'll let you into the club but if you you know or, or he'll, he'll he'll admit you to the university but if you want to graduate you're gonna have to you know you're gonna have to roll up your sleeves and do some work uh, then that's that's still sin in you. 
You're still you're still playing in the system of the world, right? You're still believing believing the lie of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The system of the world, another word for it is karma. What comes around goes around, right? And, you know, the, the Christianized version of this is uh, if, if you want to go to heaven, you must believe in Jesus and you must take up your cross and follow him uh, and uh, be baptized and pay your tithes and attend church regularly and teach that Bible class and not do this sin and not do that sin. And this sin, man, that's kind of all right because everybody kind of does it, but... Right, you get into this system of of uh, keeping score, right? How many pluses how, do you have? How many minuses do you have? What's the weight of that plus versus that minus? You know, and and as soon as you're in that system, you are playing by Satan's game. So just get out of the system. Just look on Christ. Look on Jesus. Try, try to see him as he really is, right? Accept that freedom of Christ is true freedom. Accept that grace is complete. Accept that love is unconditional. Accept that he has he has checked off all of the boxes for you. Yes, in a sense, life is a test, right? It's a test. But I think the best way to pass the test in life is to realize that no matter how you score on the test, Jesus is going to give you an A. <laughs> and that realization right there, that unearned unearned favor that unearned gift of grace is the very power that will beginning begin transforming you into the person that you know you should be but you have to understand I really think you really think it's imperative. You are okay the way you are today, right now, and even in your worst moment. Even in the worst moment you've been in. And for some of us, that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But I think Jesus gets it. He knows that there is a battle going on that we cannot see, or smell, or taste, or touch. And yet we are, we're the spoils. We are the spoils of war. Satan still thinks for some reason that he can win. Jesus knows that he has won. And half of us believe Satan and half of us, or some of us believe Jesus. I don't know what the exact <laughs> ratio is. Believe Jesus. He's done it all. It is finished. When he said on the cross, it is finished. Believe him. 
love and grace that he is he has come across he's he's he has bridged dimensions to bring to you he has taken on flesh he's lived as a pauper a homeless man never taking the glory for himself though he deserves all of it. Enduring death, torture, not in that order. And as Peter says, after death, going down to the depths of the place of the dead, all to show you that he has left nothing undone. He has checked off all the things that we could possibly owe he has paid all the all the possible debt that we we owe for the things that we've done wrong it's all paid paid in full and then some let's say so i know it's a small thing i i know i know you won't be left the way you are when you fully look on beauty of Jesus. You won't be left the way you are. And I'm glad for that, speaking of myself. But, but you're still okay the way you are. You won't be left the way you are, and yet Jesus accepts you the way you are, completely, without any caveats uh, or strings. That is incredibly good news, right? Isn't that the best news possible? I mean, when we talk about gospel, that's gospel. That's good news. You know, good news has did seem when 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 I accepted Christ back when I was eleven years old. That if I would be baptized, all of my sins would be washed away. Right? But then as, as soon as I did that, I went right back thinking some of the thoughts and doing some of the things that I did before that I know I shouldn't do. And so I, I thought, oh, crap. Well, yeah, baptism was great, but now I'm dirty again. Now what do I do? Get baptized again? Just keep doing that. <laughs> but that that's not that's not what baptism is. It's part of it. But only a small part of it, only a shadow of what baptism truly is. And salvation by baptism, uh, I think now hate to say this, I know it's going to offend some of you guys, but we're not saved by baptism. We are saved by what baptism represents. Right? We're saved because Jesus died and was buried. Right? We're saved because of that. 
And because of that, we are resurrected. We're resurrected now. We have eternal life now. Right? We've already talked about that word eternal, but, you know, we are, we have received all of the promises now that, that we were offered for being found in Jesus. Uh, yeah, I could talk probably forever on this. Um, just look on Jesus. And if you don't have a good picture of him, look again. And look again. And look again. And pray to him. And talk with him. Commune with him. The beauty of Jesus will set you free 